Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. It's that time of year, folks. You know exactly what I'm talking about. The pumpkin spice is in the air. The basic white girls are all over your Instagram. The weather is getting colder. It's, well, you know, how else do I describe it? It's getting into the fall, so that means we're just so close to Halloween. At this point, we're not even a full 90 days away. I can see it right now. People are going to be putting up Halloween decorations all over the place. We're going to be having movie marathons on Sci-Fi Channel. We're going to be seeing all the haunted, you know, stupid ghost memes all over Facebook. It's going to be freaking beautiful. And there's only one way that I can ever truly get into this festive, freaky time of year. I've got to go ahead and pull up some Halloween specials to kind of get myself in the mood. I know what you're thinking, Remso. Is it too early for this? And I'm like, fuck no. It's never too early for this. But we can't get into this without the man himself, the Mr. Miraculous Man himself, Mark Claire. Mark, it's that time of year, bro. And I don't know about you, but Halloween, I look forward to that more than my own birthday. I'm going to be honest here. I'm a, I'm a pumpkin spice guy. I'm a pumpkin spice latte kind of guy, and I'm not afraid to say You're it. You're so basic. I'm a basic white bitch, and <laughs> I like delicious warm drinks going down my gullet. And and I live here in L.A., so I you know I grew up with fall and knowing what that was and how it starts to get a little brisk, starts to get a little chilly. But even without the weather change now, uh, I still get that same feeling this time of year. Maybe it's just because the pumpkin spice is on the way. That's all it takes for me. But, uh, you know, in addition to that, though, I mean, I last year we did Spooktober starting in October. I think we're going to do something similar. But uh, really, when I look at the, the some of the episodes we have coming up, we're, we're basically starting right now <laughs> is, is the reality of this thing. As soon as that first leaf fell it was gonna happen it all ties together you know pumpkin spice spookiness exploding pumpkins we just saw a, a like a pumpkin bomb in the no way home trailer it's all here it's all here together and we're here for it speaking of which so i i am i am recording from virginia back where we really have seasons as much as i love wisconsin uh it's really just different shades of cold 
Whereas as I've been, you know, driving around, hanging out with my family and stuff like that, like this is where you get to see all the leaves turn into all those giant hokey colors of orange, red and whatever a hokey is. I, I still have never understood that while I lived here. And uh, I got to go to one of my favorite movie theaters, uh, Cinemark, XD and Fairfax Corner. I have such amazing memories there. That's where I saw the first Avengers film. That's where I saw Iron Man 3. That's where I saw Guardians of the Galaxy. So I kind of have this tradition a Live of going back there and getting to sit really in the same places where I got to see all those films uh, coming to, to the screen, and and this will tie into the story that we're discussing in some like you know non-linear cosmic circumstance. Linear is that how you say linear? Is that how it's done? Not done? Is it not <laughs> linear? It can be, but it's not. Well, it's how I've always done it, so we're going to stick with it. All right, linear it is. Lanier. So anyway, it will make sense at one point, but we got to go ahead and just address the giant Chinese elephant in the room. Have you seen Shang-Chi? Have I seen Shang-Chi? Well, uh, patrons of Second Print Comics know that I did see Shang-Chi, which means you probably know too, Ramzo. So what is this? this, uh, I had to set it up in some way. A non-natural, natural setup. They only smelled the hokiness. Oh, because see, hokey, hokiness, it's all tied together. Go Virginia Tech. Uh, They they detected it in some way. But you went ahead and did a spoiler-free review over at Patreon. Patrons, go ahead and listen to that right now for as little as $5.00 a month and unlock all the other bonus content but i listened to your review and not to dwell too much on it but i think you and i are in pretty much you know solid agreement i also agree that as far as a standalone origin film is concerned it's probably one of the strongest ones we've seen in a long time it might be like i don't i I know there's recency bias is a thing so i'm probably more excited about it now than i might be i don't know three months from now when i've seen a couple other movies and i've seen eternals and i've seen no way home maybe i'll be most excited about them at the time but i I think a a large part of it too is and again we're going to keep this spoiler free we'll talk we'll do a a more spoiler filled review of this movie in a couple weeks when we do our four our our second print potpourri episode which we'll be doing again that's the fourth wednesday every month we kind of break for the format talk about movies, talk about comics we've been reading, that sort of thing. So look forward to that. That's where we'll keep the spoiler review of this film. But just to give a, uh, a truncated version of my of my non-spoiler review uh, that I did for the patrons, yes, I loved it. Yes, you should definitely go see it. And I think it was really helped, at least for me, by the fact that, I mean, there was hype, I suppose. There were trailers. Uh, I had heard about the movie, but I, I wasn't sitting around for months anticipating this. I really didn't have strong feelings about it one way or the other in terms of the anticipation, whereas I've been, you know, I've been, you know, theorizing about No Way Home for, for you know, eight months now. So uh, that, that same level of anticipation wasn't there. I was just kind of like, well, new Marvel movie. Well, I'll go see it. My wife's not not in town, so heck, I'll just on a Thursday night go to opening night. I mean, she would have gone with me too, but you know, when when you get to make these decisions all on your own on the fly, there's just a little little something else to it. You'll learn soon to be married, young man. And uh, but yeah, so I just I just decided opening night I was gonna go to the theater by myself, which I enjoy doing from time to time, and watch the premiere. And I got so uh, it's a phrase called samadhi, Remzo. It's a it's a it's a so whaty. Samadhi. It's like when you it's it's like a really deep form of meditation. It's when you get so into something that it's all there is now. 
And sometimes I'm like that with movies, but sometimes eh, if a movie's not capturing me, eh, maybe I get distracted. Maybe I start thinking about something else. Maybe I look at my phone. Uh, I was full Samadhi on this film. I was inside the movie, Remzo. I, w- I was fully encapsulated in this thing. Uh, it really took me for a ride. And uh, I agree, it's definitely one of the best origin films. And I, I honestly think it's one of, I'm not going to put it right in the top five of all Marvel films yet. I think that's a little presumptuous. It's definitely in my top 10, though. I don't think I have any doubt about that. I, I truly, truly think it's a, really one of the better f- films out of, out of Marvel, uh, origin story or not. You, you know, I, I, went ahead, I went ahead and saw my uncle in Orlando last week because I've been traveling around a lot the last month. And uh, we were talking about some of the Marvel films we were looking forward to. And I mentioned, you know, I compare everything to either Captain America Winter Soldier or Ant-Man because Winter Soldier is personally my favorite MCU film and Ant-Man is my least favorite. And I'm like, if you're above Ant-Man, it doesn't matter if you're at the same level as Winter Soldier. As long as you're better than Ant-Man, I'm totally cool with that. Ant-Man fucking sucked, which I'm really proud of my uncle. Shout out to my uncle Brody. Who's a, who's a longtime SPC listener, by the way, he walked out of Ant-Man Walk and I've out. never, I've, I've never <laughs> known any, I've never known that man to walk out of any movie. But he told me straight up, I walked out of Ant Man, and I looked at him and said, "I wish I had the balls to do that too." Except I had a free ticket, and I didn't want to abuse it that day. So, you know, as long as you're better than Ant Man, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're on the right trajectory. And I mean, Phase Four has been kind of strange because technically. Spider-Man Far From Home was the end of Phase 3. They called that the epilogue of Phase 3, right after Endgame. And then we went into WandaVision and all the Disney shows. And really, if you think about it, the first film for uh, Phase 4 was Black Widow, which we did a review on Black Widow uh, about a month back. I liked it. But it's different because now we're in this strange phase where they want to get super experimental and they're still trying to set up what the next big thing for Marvel is. And I feel like Shang-Chi kind of did that. But in the same way, it's like I, I'm just happy Shang-Chi, that Shang-Chi, young Shang-Chi, I'm sorry. Remember, we're, we're teaching we're, you to read and we're teaching you to pronounce in every language. Lanier, Shang-Chi, <laughs> Lanier. OK, so. I, I was happy with it, and, and I'm not going to spoil it now. We'll talk about it later, but there was one scene in the film in particular where they brought back a character who we have not seen for probably seven years. And when they brought him back, that whole three, four minutes of being introduced to him again, I sat down looking at my brother, and I'm just like, if you had told me that in 2008 when Iron Man came out in theaters, that almost – uh, a decade and a half later, we were going to have this scene happen in a Shang-Chi movie. I would never freaking believe you. But what I will say is that, you know, I used to think the Guardians of the Galaxy were the most B-list characters Marvel could bring out and make into rock stars. The fact that now we have this film in this universe, which was done to such a, a high quality value, it really makes me excited for everyone they can bring in. And I mean, this is an era where people are probably 
more familiar with like Rocket Raccoon and Harley Quinn than they are, you know, even even some of our more mainstream characters, like Captain America, Wonder Woman. It's like these these characters who we used to think were even kind of outliers to us as nerds and collectors. uh, They're they're becoming more mainstream now. And, And that's what brings us into the topic today. And I'll go ahead and introduce it. But any final thoughts before we we move on to the next segment? Yeah, I'm just going to leave it right there because we I have more thoughts so we can save that for the spoiler review towards the end of the month. I'll just say if you've been on the fence, if you've been thinking, eh, I don't know if I want to see it, uh, maybe I'll wait till it comes out in, in on the you know on demand or what have you. I would say if you're a fan of this genre, see it in the theater. That's all I will say. See it in the theater and see it before the last fourth fourth the last fourth day the last Wednesday of this month uh, when we will be spoiling the shit out of the film. That's all I'll say. We should just call that episode fourth day. Fourth day. Yeah. Happy fourth day. Let's talk spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling it that anyway, so we may as well. I think that's the second week in a row. I called it fourth day. Let's just roll with it. It feel it feels natural. Fourth day it is. <laughs> but uh, you know, speaking of Shang Chi, I I was I always knew who he was. I the first time I read him was in the pages of Ultimate Spider Man when they were forming the Ultimate Knights, which were like a street gang superhero collective. And he was just a guy who could kick ass. And then the years later, I, I learned about who he was uh, in the broader Marvel canon. And he, he was always cool. I mean, we, we, we've spoken about before. He's basically Bruce Lee. He's one of those characters that has kind of a cult following, but he, he never got to the level of, let's say, like a Deadpool or a Harley Quinn or something else like that. I wouldn't even say like a Spawn. He's always been there. People have always liked him, but he's not really he, – he doesn't have a click of comic book nerds really crying out his name. We were all happy when we saw that Shang-Chi was getting a film. But it was one of those things where it's like we probably could have thought of like a dozen other characters we'd rather see in a movie. Today – I wanted to go ahead and combine a couple of things. One of those characters who has definitely gone underappreciated over the years, he's also getting a rebooted film within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think within a year and a half. And it's spooky season. We've got to start getting into that fall mood, people. Start descending into the darkness towards Halloween. So I was like, who matches all those things? I'm talking about Blade. That's right, the Daywalker. Mark, what was your first introduction to Blade the Vampire Slayer? Remzo, that was a masterful transition. One second, we're talking about Shang-Chi. Next thing I know, I'm, I'm talking about Blade. What the hell happened there? I, it's I, mental jujitsu. It all works blink. together. You blink, and the subject has changed entirely. Um, to be honest, like I, I never had a lot of familiarity with the character of Blade. I'm trying to think when the first time I met the character was in the comics and i i'm not sure i may have even seen the blade film before i had really i'm sure i had seen him appear in a book somewhere like some you know probably some massive marvel event i'm sure he was just there but not a major part of it but really my biggest introduction to blade was wesley snipes as blade i mean that's that it was only like when that movie came out and i saw it that i was like oh there's also comics about this even though i I was already reading comics uh, Blade is just not a character that really came on my radar in any kind of major way other than perhaps vaguely knowing of his existence. And to be honest, I've never really read many Blade comics, but but I will say that that performance of Wesley Snipes is so connected in my mind to the character of Blade that every time I see Blade now, I see Wesley Snipes. And it's going to be really interesting to see Mahersha Ali take over that role. Um, I'm sure he's an awesome actor, so I, I'm sure he's going to do a great job, but it's going to be a little awkward. It's going to be a little strange, you know, like meeting the new girlfriend kind of thing. 
Especially since Wesley Snipes, I mean, he's in his late fifties, early sixties. I always but he's not that. Much. Isn't Mahershala Mahershal Ali like fifty? I mean, he's no spring chicken. He, he's probably. I, I would. I would say. So the last time I saw, um, the last time I saw, um, Wesley Snipes was I think it was The Expendables three. So he kind of came up and got back in the films recently because he's out of prison for tax evasion, which was not even his fault. That's a whole other thing. But Wesley Snipes is still a dude who looks like he could jump back into being Blade. Absolutely. Any day now, because Blade Trinity, which was the last of the Blade films, came out in the early 2000s. And I went ahead and looked at that uh, at some scenes from that film and I looked at a recent photo of him, and it's like, you know what? They could have probably folded that blade into the MCU. And some people were like, oh, that could never happen. And it's like, really? We, 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 have, we have like the original J. Jonah Jameson back in Spider-Man. They're freaking they're bringing back Alfred Molina as Doc Ock. It's like, you're t- you're, you could easily bring back Wesley Snipes' blade. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I've always been a Blade fan, and like you... I knew him in another medium before I ever read a Blade comic book. The first time I was introduced to Blade was in 1998 in the uh, Spider-Man, the animated series, where Blade was the first like superhero crossover episode with Spider-Man where they weren't friends by the end of it. Blade was still like, screw you, I do my own thing. Even the Punisher was nicer as Spider-Man than Blade was. So I was like, this dude's freaking awesome. And he had a laser sword in that one too, so that was even cooler. Yeah, he had a laser sword because of, you know, toy marketing. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I saw Blade Trinity uh, about four or five years after that, so I was still like in middle school at the time. And, And Blade is awesome because he was created as a horror character within the Marvel universe. But what I always felt was really cool was he could act. He's kind of like the Punisher in a way. And we, and we discussed this when we did our Punisher award journal episode about a month ago, he can very easily fit in this colorful world of superheroes. And he can also exist completely outside of it and still be cool and still be consistent. He can be street level. He can be fantasy. He can mix it up in the in the cosmic world. I mean, you can kind of buy him in any in any sort of genre within this realm. Yeah, and I mean, with with Blade, I mean, he he. What I always liked about him was he's really one of those unique characters that really checks a lot of boxes for people because he's a superhero, but he's not. He's super cool without being corny. And I, I always thought it was funny when people were, were celebrating the Black Panther movie. They're like, finally, we have a, a black superhero who's positive and who people can look up to. And I'm like, like you're telling me you're t- 15 years earlier. <laughs> yeah, it's like, does Wesley Snipes get no credit for that? Even Shaquille O'Neal played Steel. <laughs> we don't talk about that movie, but we're still talking about Blade. We do not talk about that movie. I've never seen Steel. I mean, probably for good reason, but I'm kind of, it's one of those things on my list of things like, this is probably so bad that I should actually see it. I, I've i never watched it, but I've seen I, the trailer I, I enough times. I still live watch, Remzo. Uh, what do you I say, don't. SBC patrons? Maybe it's time for a live watch. It's been a while. It's been a real long while. I, I've, I've just had, I'm sorry, I just had some really bad flashbacks of that. Anyway, one thing we also have to thank the Blade films for is the fact that if it were not for Blade, we would have actually never had Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. Explain. So when Blade Trinity uh, was finding its cast, I think around that time, um, Ryan Reynolds had actually wrapped up the first couple of Van Wilder films. I actually think he was only in the first Van Wilder. 
But um, he wanted to try and start getting into action films because he was put in like this category of like stoner comedy and rom coms, and he wanted to show people he could get into action. But he was still very much the loudmouth comedic twist in that movie. Ironically, Ryan Reynolds is actually a longtime comic book fan. And when they were going ahead and crafting his character, I forget who the director was, but he was also a comic book fan, too. So the fact that they went ahead and uh, made I think he was an original character for the film specifically when he was trying to find source material. So that way he could somewhat tie in something existing in Blade and Marvel lore into the film. I think he and the director just decided just be Deadpool, but you're not going to be Deadpool, but be Deadpool. And it was that performance in Blade Trinity that actually caused fans to basically do one of the big first successful fan castings. So it was because of that performance where people were like, oh, Ryan Reynolds would be perfect to be Deadpool in the X-Men films or something. So around the time that they were talking about X-Men Origins Wolverine, everyone was like, you have to cast freaking Ryan Reynolds. Look at what he did in Blade Trinity. And he actually leaned on that performance to lobby himself to be Deadpool. And then history was made. I knew he leveraged. I knew that he, there were, he kind of like had to do that one Deadpool to get the other Deadpool or something like that. I had I had no recollection that he was in in that Blade Trinity movie at all. No one really thinks of Blade Trinity, probably because I don't think of it. Period. Yeah. No, but Ryan Reynolds was like the only interesting thing about that film. That's why you're here, folks. That's why Remzo's here anyway, and and why you're here. I don't know why I'm here actually, but Remzo brings the random facts, and you're here to hear them, and I'm here to just be along for the ride. That's the format. That's that's SPC summed up right there. Yeah, wh- whatever makes people happy. And, and speaking of everything, you're probably wondering what the hell is this going to what, what the hell is this going to do to like slip into today's story? So we usually do a lot of story arcs. We've done uh, films in the past, but I want to go ahead and talk about specials. The idea of a one shot or an annual or a special is basically when you have a story that's so big that you want to go ahead and bring in the best artists. You want to go ahead and bring in the best writers. You want to do something that either fits nicely into canon or you want to do something that's just a great one off event. That's big, bombastic. You could take chances with it. And annuals and specials were one of those things where it's like I don't have to know about anything else that's going on to appreciate. This. I remember one of the first annuals I bought was a Hulk annual issue one in 2007, where you see the Red Hulk fight She-Hulk. It's one of my favorite stories. Uh, later on, I got uh, the Avengers, the Mighty Avengers and New Avengers specials in the mid 2000s. And sometimes they, you know, it, they kind of wrap up an existing storyline, but often they were just big, crazy stories that could take place anywhere in a character's timeline. And sometimes they're done just to go ahead and remind people that certain characters exist. And what I really love about uh, the Halloween season and Christmas is that you actually have a lot of special like holiday and seasonal themed comics that come out. And for me, I feel like Marvel often ignores a lot of its more horror, you know, noir type of characters. I'm talking Morbius. I'm talking Man-Thing, Ghost Rider, uh, Damien Hellstrom. Usually those characters come in and out during the year, but it's really around Halloween that people tend to remember, oh yeah, Marvel has this whole, whole other side to it that 
that isn't just Doctor Strange. You've got a ton of characters that kind of fit this mold. So, you know, as I was looking through my own collection here in Virginia, just kind of looking at stuff I've collected over the years, I found a bunch of Halloween uh, and, you know, just horror themed specials that have come out. So I was like, you know, I want to go ahead and touch on something that I haven't read in a while. Uh, This specific special came out a year ago around Halloween and I wanted to go ahead and pick it up. I was like, you know, I'm just going to wait for the right time. I felt now was the right time today. We are covering Wolverine versus blade by Mark Guggenheim and Dave Williams. So, so right off the bat, You've got Blade, but you also have Wolverine. Right off the bat, we have a mature content parental advisory label on the front. Don't see that every day from Marvel. No, I mean, that's another beautiful thing about it. Because right here, what do we have? And let's just talk about the cover for a minute. We've got Blade and we've got Wolverine. Two characters we never really see together. And we've got that mature content warning. So we know that this is going to be something not for the kids. But before we get going, Mark... Uh, you know, we've talked about what ifs, we've talked about limited series. Were there any specials or annuals or any one off issues that you remember growing up as a collector? Oh, wow. This is a question just being sprung on me out of nowhere. Um, Going straight for the 12 year old you. Jeez, one off issues. Not, you know, to me, the only one off issues that I ever really picked up were the annuals. Uh, you know, whatever books I was reading at the time, whether it was, you know, the big ones for me were like Batman, Spider-Man, Fantastic Four. Um, they all had annuals. And that was like the big thing. There'd be you know, every year you'd get annual number, whatever. Now I think it's always just an annual. I don't think they bother numbering them anymore. But when I was reading, like at that time, the annuals were up in like annual number 23, annual number 24, because they'd been doing them every year for since like, you know, the 70s, some of these things. So that's really the only time I picked up one one shot books. I'm trying to really think of uh, I'm sure there were others, but honestly, nothing's really standing out to me. Young 90s Mark had his had his books he read and he read them. But you know, I, I can't I'm. I'm sure there's something I'm not thinking of, but nothing's popping out. You got me. You stumped me. Yeah, I mean, what I like about this is the last time we had a Blade book was like in the mid-2000s. I think the last Blade series actually got canceled in 2004. So what is nice to a degree is I don't think Marvel could have just sold a Blade comic. Maybe hardcore Blade fans would have gone and tried to buy it, but I don't think they saw it as a need to justify printing. So what they did was they decided to go ahead and throw Wolverine as, you know, kind of the top of the marquee for that, which which I kind of understand because it's like anything else. You've got a character who just needs a little extra umph, a little support. So who are you going to pair him with? And I mean, we've seen them most often paired with like uh, we've seen paired of the Punisher, Daredevil, Spider-Man on more than one occasion. But for a Halloween themed book, if you're not going to go ahead and pull out one of the, you know, like Marvel monsters, you might as well go ahead and bring out their like biggest A-list character which is wolverine so this is really a book that leans on wolverine to highlight blade but for a character like this you almost have to do it to get more people to pick it up and if more people pick it up because of wolverine but they end up liking blade at the end of it i'm i'm totally okay with that because i just want to see more blade and i'm just here for more wolverine and more vampires so if blade happens to be there then fine because i have no strong you know i just have no affinity or 
or uh, what's the opposite of affinity? I don't know, but I, I've, I have n- much like Shang Chi, I guess I should say. You're apathetic towards I, Blades. You don't really love him, him, but you're you don't hate him. You're, he's just kind of there. He's just kind of there. And but uh, you know, I'm always a sucker for Wolverine. You tell us Wolverine in a story, I'm like, all right. This at least has Wolverine. Let's see what's happening. But like, I never grew up reading Blade comics. He's like Shang Chi. He's just—I always knew he was there. Sometimes I'll see him and I'll say, "Hey, there you are." But it, you know, it doesn't never really gets me excited. But that doesn't mean I don't end up satisfied at the end. It's, it sounds like a, an analogy to another time period of my life. But we're not going to go. You'll there. never be satisfied. Tell my Hamilton fans. Okay, let's go ahead and jump in. I'm hoping I can get what you don't like Hamilton. I'm not expecting that, but but we're going to move on. Okay. Uh, we're jumping straight into it. We're in Madripoor many years ago, and we see Wolverine in his badass Weapon X costume back to back with Blade. Uh, Madripoor is a fictional country in East Asia, full of crime, not a place you necessarily want to take the kids. And no, they're not checking out all the tourist destinations and stuff like that. They're surrounded by vampires. So they have just randomly come across each other as they're surrounded by these vampires who have like battle axes and tattoos and a bunch of demon swords. And as they're trying to figure out what's going on, you know, Blade just looks at him and he's like, Logan, like what, what, what's going on, man? And long story short, Logan is on the trail to find these people that Blade has been trying to find as well. They are a, a vampire cult called the Creed. And, you know, Blade is a half human, half vampire creature. Basically, his mother was impregnated. Uh, by a vampire and in order to really try and make him a vampire what this vampire did was he bit her but that may have turned his mother into a vampire but it didn't turn blade who's in the womb into a complete vampire so blade so she was already pregnant with blade when she was bit yeah because that's why because if she was already a, if she was already a vampire and then became pregnant, he would be a full-blooded vampire offspring. But because he was in the womb, it, it changed him. So long story short, so his father's not a vampire. His father is a vampire. His father bit his his uh his mother afterwards. Right, but she was oh, so she was pregnant from that same vampire and then got bit? It depends on the continuity, and that's why I kind of avoid it. But I'll I'll explain it here. Well, Basically, we're in it now we're in the weeds on this one. Okay, so I'll go back a page and actually read his quick bio. Turned into a half vampire in the same attack that killed his mother. Eric Brooks took the name Blade and has dedicated his life to mastering various martial arts and channeling his vampiric abilities, such as heightened speed, strength, and healing factor, to fashion himself into a weapon against the undead. So, if you go with some continuity. His mother and his father knew each other, and it wasn't until she became pregnant that his father, who was a vampire, decided to try and turn her into a vampire. Then you have another side, which I think is the original story, where his mother was a prostitute who was pregnant, who was lured to go hang out with this like super rich dude who ended up becoming a vampire who attacked her. Either way, both of those origins show that Blade was in the womb and that she was attacked after um, she was pregnant with him, which is why he is half human, half vampire, because he didn't go full bloodsucker while, you know, his, his mom was getting it on, you know, all, all, all that jazz. So regardless to which origin I think is currently canon, um, his his mom was still bitten when she had him. So once bitten, twice pregnant, or something. Yeah, 
it's uh it, it's one of those situations where you know it sucks to be a woman in the marvel universe got vampires to worry about rapists punisher going around shooting stilt man in the face it's not a fun place <laughs> That's a callback, right? That's there. a throwback. I, I will forever have the image of Stiltman's entire lower torso being blown away in my in my mind for the rest of eternity. Thanks to this program, it's a it's 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 a rough world, and I mean, let, let's look at the scene right here. So we're we're back to Madripoor. So Blade is trying to go ahead and kill this cult of vampires because that's what Blade does, and Wolverine is out trying to kill them because a friend of his, his daughter, went to Madripoor, got kidnapped by these vampires, and then was used as a human sacrifice. For their vampire cult. So the Creed, they're not just your regular like Nosferatu vampires. These guys have like Mike Tyson face tattoos. They've got swords and battle axes and they're sacrificing people. So they're pretty fucked up. And uh, Wolverine and Blade just aren't having it. So what I love about this is that within just literally a page and a half, we see that this really got its mature rating and it earned it immediately because we see Wolverine go over and literally slice through a man's face. Not just a man. He's a he's a creepy vampire guy. But I look at him and his face is just like all sliced up like this is this is really laying it on thick. If you want to see Blade and Wolverine kill people, this is where you're going to see it. I really love the use of the letters uh, creating the sound effect, the schnick that we always hear. But it's how they're placed like right over the slices of the blades through this vampire's head. It's just it's really cool. Yeah, I mean, usually with Wolverine, this is why I always complain to the cartoons. It's like, show some blood, show him cut some people. And I don't mean like just, you know, cut some clothes. I want to see those adamantium claws go through people. And this just completely cut cut this dude's head into a bunch of like, you know, chunks. It's awesome. And then Blade jumps out and he's hacking people in half. And I mean, I, I, I don't know about you, but I haven't seen too many films other than like Underworld and stuff where you see these vampires with like medieval weapons and things. It's it's freaking awesome. And then you see one guy with this giant like skull sword. He he like hits Wolverine in the shoulder and he looks over and immediately starts healing. And this is what I love about Wolverine, because when you hit him, he's not just going to go down. He's going to go around like getting as much flesh for flesh as you've taken from him. So you see him healing and then you see uh, Blade in the background and he's just cutting off heads. One head, two head, three head. It's freaking awesome. And then we go to the third page and I mean, if you think I'm skipping over anything, no, this is just nonstop vampire murder going on right now. We see a splash page of Wolverine just going berserker, cutting off limbs, heads, faces. You see those sound effects over there. Shunk, shik, shung. And Blade is just admiring a true master doing his art. And as yeah, we Blade, all know, Blade's just chilling. He's just watching. He's just like. You finished? <laughs> what do you do when you're watching the man who's the best at what he does, which is murder? Wolverine has gone into a full, uh, I believe they call it the berserker rage here. Um, and, it, you know, really, anytime you take a good hunk out of uh, Wolverine, like a slice, a chunk of his shoulder off like they do here, um, you're really, it's, it's like it's like slapping the, a bear with a, a twig. You know, all it's going to do is, is piss it off. It's, it's, it's really not a, a valid form of self-defense. You really got to take a fatal blow on Wolverine or else, well, we see what happens, didn't we? Yeah. And, and then we get to a giant um, splash page where you see him in that. I, I mean, I just love the X-Force uniform. Because, I mean, it's it's black, it's silver, 
It's probably my favorite Wolverine costume. Is that what this uniform is? This must have come out. Okay, that's why I do recognize this a little bit. This must have come out around the same time as the Uncanny X-Force. Is that correct? Yes. You know how I know that, Remzo? Why do you know that, Mark? I know that because... Patrons of Second Print Comics Podcast, they get a number of bonus shows, one of them being the Random Marvel Comics Podcast. Now, that is a bonus show that is random for many reasons. It's random because I do it randomly. It doesn't come out on any kind of schedule. It happens whenever it randomly happens. Uh, It's also called the Random Marvel Comics Podcast because the format of the show is that I open the Marvel Unlimited app, the same app that I'm using to read this very book. And for those of you that don't know, there's a little button if you have the Marvel Unlimited app in the upper left corner. There's a little there's a little thing where there's two question marks. You press that button, it give you in fact I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to do it right this second just to see what comes up, just to, to demonstrate. It's happening. You go into the random and you go into the Marvel Unlimited app. You go to this little button here. Now you, you guys aren't watching video, so you can't see, but trust me, there's a little button that's two question marks. You press it. Let's see what happens. It gets some twirly whirlies and then a comic comes up. For me, this was cable number 49. Interesting from the 90s so maybe that'll be maybe that's the next one on my list now cable number 49 so what i do is i call up a book from the app using the random button i read it and then i do a podcast about it and that is the random marvel comics podcast and the most recent issue damn it oh it's been so long motherfucker in fairness i'm talking about both an issue and an episode here so this really could have gone either way but in the most recent episode of that podcast the issue that came up was uncanny x-force number nine and to hear my thoughts on it, you know what to do. Patreon.com slash second print pod. Well, yes, Mark, you are correct. This is X-Force uniform. Sometimes it's called a stealth suit. I think of all the costumes that Wolverine has ever had. This one is the most badass. I mean, you can't get past Wolverine with red glowing eyes and a black getup. So to see him in his giant uh, single page splash page with a pile of dead vampire bodies around him while he is covered with blood. I don't think you can get much more badass Wolverine than that. I concur. I mean, that, that one splash page where he's just walking away with the fire. There's the, there's even that one, um, that one vampire like burning in front of him, but it almost looks like his leg has become this fiery vampire. It's just a really badass panel. Yeah. And I mean, what, what I love about blade and Wolverine is that they can make any type of humor into dark humor because what ends up happening is they, they go to this temple in Madripoor, which I mean, Madripoor can look like, you know, Mexico city or Bangkok, depending on who's doing it. But apparently they're out Where in some type of, or is it just kind of wherever I think Madripoor is supposed to be in like Malaysia because what they do, typically do is they, they take either existing countries and they rename them for like legal reasons or something, or they go ahead and just create a plot of land and call it Nyland and then do that. It's like Corto Maltese from the Suicide Squad film. Uh, that's actually like the Dominican Republic. Right. right. Ish. And Krakoa is uh, what? New York City? Is that right? Krakoa? Just a, just a giant living cesspool. Mutant? No? Trying oh, to make a joke here, Renzo. You're offending it's the people of New York. That went way too far. <laughs> I would think that Gotham City is New York or Chicago. Gotham's supposed to be Chicago, isn't it? I, I've always thought of it as New York in my mind. I think Metropolis is supposed to be New York and Gotham City is supposed to be Chicago, which makes no sense because in, like, you know, comic book world, DC has Metropolis and uh, and, and Gotham being, like, a, a like 
you know, a bridge apart from one another. Are they? I never thought they were in the comics, but then in the Zack Snyder film, they they are clearly right there next to each other. They 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 were in the comics because in uh, Batman Superman issue one, when we did the public enemy up the public enemies episode, they go ahead and say that they're basically right next to each other. Yeah, blew your mind. I'm gonna need to see a map one of these days. I'm gonna need to see a DC Universe United States map. I want to know where they stuck Themyscira. The Amazons so what are about Star City and Central City. Where are those? Those are like Kansas City, St. Louis. Star Star City is San Francisco. What's Central City? St. Louis. Central City. I think it's still San Francisco. No, come on. It's in the Midwest, isn't it? Central City. It could be. It could Why, be. What's uh, it Central to then? All right. Well, we can we can go. I want to see what happens if I Google DC United States map. DC Comics United States map. Mind me, everybody. This is happening. Live research map and what comes up. Uh, oh, wow. Too much, too much to get into right here, but I'm going to take a look. I'm going to tell you what they, there actually is a map that shows where all the heroes live. Okay. It's, it's clearly, it seems Metropolis is, yeah, is like New York. I always knew Superman was an East coast elitist. I know this is not right. This is, I'm going to have to do separate research on this. This map I'm looking at is, is, is not what I was thinking it was at all. Well, anyway, now you have vampire Aztec pyramids in Madripoor because that makes sense. And what they're going to do is they're going to blow the shit out of it. So um, anyway, uh, Blade and Wolverine are walking uh, towards it. And he's like, I'm going to give this place a pretty thorough torching. You're welcome to stick around. I brought marshmallows. And Wolverine is like, that's an old joke, bub. And this is where Blade takes things like that extra step that I love. He literally pulls out a marshmallow and he's like, who's joking? And then later goes to blow it up. So it's one of those scenes where it's like, you know, it's it's dark humor, folks. You either get it or you don't. They kill all those people. They're dealing with all this shit. And Blade, not even knowing Wolverine was going to be there, intended on blowing this place up and blow and then roasting marshmallows over it. I want to see Wesley Snipe do that. So six months later, we're in New York City. Uh, Wolverine still in the badass X-Force suit. So so for those of you that don't know what X-Force is, uh when Wolverine was in charge of X-Force, it was basically sanctioned by Cyclops, leader of the X-Men, basically allowing X-Force to go undercover uh, under the stealth of night to go ahead and kill threats to both mutant kind and humankind. So when Wolverine is in this suit, he's not just doing it making a fashion statement. He's doing it because he's on a deep black ops mission to go kill some people. And in this mesh, in this mission, he's in New York City killing some type of like archangel demon mortal combat bitch named Dragoness. And it's a stupid name. So stupid that Wolverine even says uh, she calls herself Dragoness. No, really. Last time I checked, she uh, she she was with a bunch of losers called the Mutant Liberation Front. And what Dragoness has been doing is she's been going around just murdering humans and mutants. So she's not just radical, too radical for the X-Men. She's also just an evil person who likes murdering people for the hell of it. So Wolverine has been sent out to go kill her. But what he notices is that there's something about this lady. She's not just a regular mutant. Something's been going on with her. Dragoness is a freaking vampire. How does he find out? Because as he cuts off one of her wings, she falls down a bridge and ends up landing on a giant spike that goes through her heart. And what happens to vampires when that happens? They basically 
basically disintegrate into skeletons. And at that point, Wolverine is like, shit, she's not just a crazy, a crazy evil mutant bitch. She's a crazy evil mutant bitch vampire. And we can't have that around here. All right. This is unrelated to what you just said. But yeah, that was pretty cool when she died and became a vampire. And we realized she was a vampire because she died like a vampire. But back to some more important things. Um <laughs> Talking, talking about the DC um, United States map, which has nothing to do with the subject matter of this episode, but the subject matter is comics at the end of the day, right? Um, this map has Just go with the flow, Gotham people. and Metropolis right next to each other, kind of like uh, Metropolis looks like it's actually supposed to be like DC right in that area, even though it's not, I don't believe it's the capital of the US in the comics, but whatever. DC, Bloodhaven, and um, and Gotham City are all pretty close to each other. So maybe Gotham City is more like a Baltimore kind of thing. Maybe. Something like that. Ooh. I don't know if that's offensive to Gotham City or Baltimore. Um, yeah, maybe both. I always thought Bloodhaven was more of a Cleveland. Well, it's, it's, but it's, I, I always known that Bloodhaven was like right next to Gotham because that's why Nightwing could just like hop over and be like, oh, I'm going over to Bloodhaven here. Um, but yeah, so they're, they're all clustered together, but then we have in the Midwest, I was correct that, uh, well, okay. So central city is, is basically Missouri. And then right across from central city, we have, what is it called? Uh, Keystone city. Those are the two I always get confused, which, um, th- those, those both were the homes of, of flashes. Uh, the Keystone and the Gateway City. Th- those are basically St. Louis and Kansas City. Of course, we also have Smallville there in Kansas City is in Kansas as well. And then, um, but but you were thinking of when you said uh, Central City, you were thinking of Gateway City, which is, that's basically San Francisco, and that's where Wonder Woman hangs out. Oh. And then Star City. I got Star City and Central City confused. Is what happened there? Star City. That is where Green Arrow hangs out, and that is basically Seattle. It's up there in Washington. So I could go into more, but. That, that's enough for now, I think, considering it has nothing to do with the rest of the show. Hashtag the more you know. Dun, 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 dun. Speaking of learning more about this stuff, Wolverine does what Wolverine does best. Other than kill that vampire mutant psycho bitch, he goes over and he starts taking up pieces of her armor that survived when she went ahead and took that giant spike through the heart and turns into a skeleton. So he, at this point, realizes that he's not just dealing with uh, a a random person, that there's something more going on there. So he goes ahead and collects it. Meanwhile, we're over in Von Stott, Germany, as Blade is going after the Creed some more. He's been going after these people for almost a year now. So he's at some castle. He's killing some Nosferatu guy. And what I love about Marvel vampires is they're not like the sparkly Twilight vampires. These vampires always have something under, you know, uh, under their sleeve, so to speak. So this vampire who looks a lot like the 1930s Nosferatu vampire, uh, he's not just fighting Blade and losing. What he's doing is he's going to lure Blade in and then he shoots him with laser eyes, which uh, basically insinuates that he must be a mutant who was turned into a vampire who has similar powers to Cyclops. So you combine vampire powers with the powers of any given mutant, and you're not going to have a good day. Mark, what do you think about that twist on vampires? I was hoping it was actually Cyclops. And this this would immediately become my favorite version of Cyclops of all time. Because he's more interesting and has personality? Yes. <laughs> And you know this vampire is not just going to sit back while Wolverine uh, spends an evening with his lady. You know that. Come on. Oh, yeah. He might actually become more suave as a vampire. I I think there's a strong argument that he would. Yeah. So uh, 
But to the, answer the, your question, it's a cool twist. Yeah, so this cool, way better than Cyclops, eye-blasting vampire, has a uh, blade hanging off a ledge, and he's doing the classic bad guy thing where he's going over there and basically taunting him. But with his other hand, uh, Blade pulls out a detonator and basically blows up the castle. And Blade can survive because his suit is mostly Kevlar. But the vampire is not Kevlar. So the va- vampire basically... Uh, lands and a giant rock crushes him, so he's basically dying. At this point, he basically gets interrogated by Blade. And long story short, the vampires are actually going around trying to turn mutants into vampires, and the Creed thinks it's actually part of this prophecy. So Blade is like, okay, this is getting way more complicated than I thought. Uh, This dude can't give me any more information, but luckily, Blade doesn't have to kill him. What he ends up doing is he's walking away from the dude as he's still like trapped under a rock. And because it's, uh, you know, the sun's coming up, the sun comes up and straight up torches this dude. Why? Because even though he might be a mutant, even though he might be a vampire, he still has vampire weaknesses, which is sunlight, which burns the shit out of him. But Blade is cool because being a half vampire, that makes him Blade the Daywalker. He can walk straight towards the sun like it's nobody's business. So is that basically the only thing that differentiates Blade from like a normal vampire is that he's not affected by the sun stuff and he he doesn't have the creepy white pale skin? So as you probably saw from the movie, uh, Blade, what he does in order to keep his bloodlust in check that controls other vampires is he basically uh, created the serum with one of his like cohorts that's a mix of vampire blood and adrenaline, which basically keeps him from going after and attacking regular people because he still gets cravings, except he doesn't need to basically like drink blood and feast on flesh in order to survive like other vampires. He just takes his little uh, five hour blade energy drink and he's good. Yeah. Blade's not eating impossible meat. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Impossible vampire blood. That, that that to be the new thing in the Marvel universe. Tastes just like the real thing, but plant based. I would rather see a story arc dedicated to that than another freaking like Empire or King and Black or something. Not that uh, not King and Black was way better than Empire, but like you know, I want to see Marvel do more shit like this. Like take something that we love and throw a spin on like it. Make Impossible Vampire Blood. Yeah, like what? What? What if? Beyond what if, blood. What if? Here, here's a free pitch for Marvel. What if the Hand or Hydra created like an impossible vampire mix, and then you saw like a giant vampire boost in the Marvel universe? There's a story. Go run with it. Figure it out. Create 50 million crossover titles and do your thing, Marvel. But what are the vampires eating? You mean they're they're this they're, this they're eating humans. This plant based vampire mix turns them into vampires. No, it stops them from going off on murder sprees. Oh, it stops them. I see. Okay. Yeah. So so Blade is you know he he's 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 trying he's trying not to be a murderer because he's a good dude. It's for vampires that that want to be good. You know, that don't want to and watch calories. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if there's that many of that kind of vampire hanging around in, in the Marvel universe, but now maybe there'll be there'll be an opportunity for them. In the future. M- millennial vampires. <laughs> but a- anyway, now we're back in New York. We're over at the Sanctum Sanctorum in Greenwich Village. Soy vamps, they call them. Soy vamps. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is so perfect. Soy pyres. We've got to make a freaking series out of that. 
Soy Vamps the movie. This is actually kind of like, <laughs> it's not really an idea legitimately, but like, you know. Oh, no, I've, I'm feeling it. Well, no, my, my wife doesn't eat meat, right? So we like jokingly, sometimes there'll be like scenes in the movie where they're just eating meat, like, you know, lots of meat all the way. And she's like, man, I can't watch movies. Like, there's, you know, there's meat everywhere. I'm like, oh, well, you should you should be the first one to make vegan movies where they actually say, well, they can actually say no animal products were used in this movie, which means they don't eat meat. They don't wear, they don't wear like fur. <laughs> like, it sounds like a movie that. That sucks. Yeah, no, it sounds terrible. But I. <laughs> oh no, I have a movie for her. But there might it's, be a market. It's for called. Her. It's called Planet of the Apes. There are animals in that movie, don't they? Eat? Don't they eat other animals? Yeah, they eat humans. Wait, did the apes eat humans? I don't think the apes eat humans. No, they just imprison them. It'd be really metal if they there's did. There's nothing to indicate. Well, they actually, they might be vegetarians because our real apes are vegetarians, aren't they? Yeah. Well, maybe we found the movie. We should tweet Joe Rogan and ask. Anyway. Uh, we're over at uh, Doctor Strange's place because if anyone's got to know what's going on, it's got to be Doctor Strange. So Wolverine went ahead and brought over all this stuff because the Sorcerer Supreme has to. <laughs> I love that he's just like, I don't know what's going on. Fuck it. Doctor, I'm going to Doctor Strange. This is just weird. Hey, man, could you imagine who's on his speed dial? In the MCU, you've got connections for everything. Yeah, I mean, he seems like the logical stuff. Something weird's going on. Fuck it. How about the guy named Doctor Strange? How about that? Makes yeah. sense. So uh, what he basically does is he brings all this shit over to Doctor Strange, and Doctor Strange is using all his strange magic and shit to try and pull whatever magic voodoo he could figure out from it. And basically, Strange tells us what we already know. This is part of some strange vampire cult. They've got some higher um, you know, messianic plan they're trying to pull out to go ahead and basically bring about a vampire dominance of the world. So I'm skipping a, th- a few pages because it's just Wolverine and Dr. Strange talking. But what they basically end up doing is they basically taking this, uh, this headpiece and they're basically pulling out memories of it because apparently this thing has been like cursed with like the souls of its victims for years so strange goes ahead and pulls out this image of the moment in which this vampire cult the creed is going to go ahead and bring their messiah into the world to bring about the vampire dominance of earth and what they end up seeing are the two people whose fight will bring about the end of days. And who do we see? We see a dude that looks like Wolverine and Blade. Looks like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's basically spot on them. There's really no assessing it. So much so that, like, Dr. Strame is like, this is in the form of a pictogram. Is that anyone you recognize? And Wolverine is like, yeah, me and Blade. Shit pictogram it's a it's a literally like it's a comp it's a page out of a comic book that's that's in this thing yeah so at this point uh we we go back and we see blade blade is um you know interrogating some dudes scaring the shit out of them and he's basically told the same thing it's like you know the the creed is trying to turn mutants into vampires and they're gonna go ahead and bring out their messiah who they call the ultimate vampire who is a vampire and a mutant And uh, at this point, Blade is like, huh, whoever shows up to this place I'm going to go to to go ahead and bring about the the Creed prophecy is probably going to be whoever this Messiah is. So at this point, um, Blade and Wolverine, they don't know each other is involved in trying to figure out what the Creed is doing yet, but they know that 
one or the other is going to be the so-called messiah. So Wolverine thinks that it's Blade, and Blade thinks it's whoever's going to end up being at this location, which ends up being in Belize, which is a real country. So they go to this uh, Creed temple there, and who do they see? They see each other. So automatically Wolverine is like, shit, it's Blade. He really is their messiah. And then Blade is like, shit, it's Wolverine. I guess I get to. Yeah. So they end up doing what heroes do when they're about to go ahead and unite for a common cause. They try and murder each other. So they run towards each other. And I don't know about you, Mark, but I feel like if these guys have kind of a rapport, they would try and talk it out first. They just lunge towards each other and immediately start like hacking limbs. And then we get this, especially since they were just fighting vampires alongside each other like six months earlier. Yeah, I mean, you you see this giant splash page of them like about to take swings at each other and their thoughts are each, I'm going to go ahead and kill their messiah. So they're fully in it to win it. And then they start hacking each other. And, you know, you you almost always know that Wolverine is going to win a fight. But this fight with Blade is really fucked up. Blade is like stabbing him and like cutting out his heart and stuff. And at one point, Blade gets his heart, gets his, uh, gets his, uh, blade through Wolverine's heart. And then Wolverine literally rips out the blade and his own heart. And then to make it even cooler, Wolverine slashes blade across his freaking face. And I would be like really freaked out if I didn't know blade could heal from that. But what you basically have is two dudes with a knife fetish, murdering the shit out of each other, hoping that they could get the upper hand. And this is where the fight finally kind of wraps up. I kind of wish it was a little bit longer, but I also think it's kind of stupid as to how it happened, but I'll forgive that. They both really believe this prophecy. You know, they're they putting all their faith in this thing, not even taking a minute to be like, hey, what are you doing here? Are you here for the thing? <laughs> like, not even nothing, just straight into cutting each other's hearts out. It, it, exactly. And this is where Blade goes ahead and he throws some, like, I call them bladerangs because they're like throwing stars, but like bigger and he he aims them at his heart and wolverine's like why does he keep going for my heart my heart can't kill me i'm wolverine so wolverine stops like he probably should have done like five minutes ago and he's like wait uh this weapon it's an anti-vampire glaive i guess that's what they're called they're not called bladerangs uh why are you trying to take me out with something you'd use on a vampire and this is when they have their moment where they realize that they may have been a little hot-headed and they jump to conclusions maybe cutting your heart out was jumping to a little bit of an extreme maybe we should have had a chat first yeah and as they're just figuring this out realizing that the other one that they're fighting right now is not the actual like vampire mutant messiah that's when some dude walks out wearing some type of crazy vampire armor and who do we see we see freaking wolverine standing across from freaking wolverine and it's freaking weird now this part i had to go back and read a couple of times long story short and this is where it's just one of those because comics moments very because comic. Yeah. Because Wolverine has been around for so long, and because vampires have been around for so long, they've learned that each other exists. So what has happened is Wolverine, because he's Wolverine, he gets stuff cut off every once in a while by people like Blade. You know, he loses a finger there, a hand here, maybe a chunk of his face. So there, for probably about a hundred years, are chunks of Wolverine scattered throughout the earth. And who has been collecting them? 
the Creed, these freaky vampire people. So what they basically did was they took all these chunks of Wolverine, like must have stapled and hot glued them together, turned that new Franken Wolverine into a vampire. And now what you have is crazy vampire Messiah Wolverine who has the bone claws and everything. I have a very different understanding of what happened here. Explain. My understanding was that they just took this one chunk of Wolverine's shoulder that we saw them cut off in the first scene, and then they used some magic shit and used that DNA or whatever to grow a new Wolverine body, a.k.a. this Verkus, out of that. Because they say, uh, what, you don't remember the huge slice of meat that Creed carved out of your shoulder six months ago? Uh, that's what the new scary Varkas Wolverine, sl- uh, Wolverine says. And then he says, no flame and way. I've left body parts all over the globe, bub. Ain't none of them ever groomed back to, into another me. Oh, so that's how I confused a, it. Yep. Yeah. They're talking yep. about a specific body part. And he's saying, look, I leave body parts all around all the time. But they didn't actually collect all those body parts over the years. Although I like your theory actually better than, than this one. But Oh, no. It just shows that I'm lazy sometimes. <laughs> but But yeah, I mean, it's still kind of weird. And it's like... This is a this is a completely separate person, but he has basically been turned into Wolverine so much so that he looks like him and he has the bone claws. W- what do you think of this spin for creating this issue's villain? Interesting kind of cheese, but interesting. It, it's very because comics. Um, I, I, they essentially just cloned a magic vampire Wolverine out of him. Why? I guess because they had also seen that thing, that picture, that that comic book page where both Wolverine fighting Blade and the Prophecy. So their theory was, well, we're going to make our Wolverine and that's going to be our Messiah. Um, I don't know. I it, it was it was a twist that I didn't really expect, but it's a twist that I kind of thought was, I don't know, kind of kind of cheesy. But I do like the look of this other Wolverine where he's got his his claws are like these gross like vampire um, nails that they always have only they're they're what serve as basically uh the wolverine claws and um yeah i mean it is what it is it's wolverine versus wolverine it explains it explains oh yeah i see yeah and then they become the the super bone claws as you mentioned which makes sense because this wolverine would not have like an, an adamantium but we know that wolverine was born with the bone claws so it makes sense that if they did some kind of cloning this one would have these uh vampire version of the bone claws as well but yeah it's it's something I can't say it's the most uh, most exciting plot device I've ever read, read in my life. Yeah, but it's okay, because we're not really here for the story on this one as much as we are the vampire slaughter. We see a bunch of those vampire henchmen run over to Blade, and they should know better, because he just starts cutting off, like, the tops of skulls. He's cutting off, like, limbs and shit. Like, Blade doesn't fuck around. So then we go to a couple pages of just a slaughter fest between, you know, this this giant evil Wolverine vampire and then all the other vampires. And it gets to the point where, you know, they're they're kind of losing the fight because this dude is just giant and he's a vampire and he's Wolverine. So they just go around like, you know, trying to try, trying to stop him. And at this point, he's like, you know, nobody can stop me. Who's going to stop me? And Wolverine realized Wolverine and Blade basically realize that this prophecy is actually saying that the only person that could take down this vampire mutant messiah is them. So then they realize we should probably work together. So they actually start fighting in unison and they take him down pretty easily. Wolverine slices off his his like like he he cuts through the guy's gut. 
Um, Blade goes ahead and cuts off his head and then they go ahead and stab him in the heart. And then like all the other vampires we've seen, the guy starts disintegrating. So then he's like on fire and now he's just kind of like a carcass. But, you know, you can't just leave it there. They walk out of this Belizean, uh, you know, vampire cult temple and they go ahead and he blows it up because Wolverine, you know, mentions, he's like, what, you're always carrying those things with you. And blade is like explosives charges. You mean? Yeah. I like to be prepared. And Wolverine is like, good of Dr. Strange swing by after cast a keep off property spell on, on, uh, or some such. And at this point, you know, blade just blows it up. And Wolverine is like, you bring the marshmallows this time. And blade just laughs. He's like, I forgot. And Wolverine finishes off with calling him a flame and amateur because it's not Wolverine if it's not some type of cheesy dad joke at the end of a giant murder fest. And that brings us to the end of this issue. 40 pages, probably our shortest story ever. But in terms of trying to get people reacquainted with Blade and giving us a little Wolverine and Doctor Strange mix in between, I think it gets the job done. And that wraps up Wolverine versus Blade, the 2019 special. You know, I see this very similarly as I do um, like certain movies. Uh, I don't know. Black Widow might actually be a good comparison since, since we brought it up earlier. Like Black Widow was a fun movie. I really enjoyed watching it. Had a blast doing it. Um, probably will never watch it again. I don't know. Maybe not never. If it happens to be on, maybe I'll end up watching parts of it. But it's not a movie I, I can see myself wanting to experience over and over and over. And I view this book very similarly. I had a, I had a good time. I enjoyed myself. Uh, the story was fun. Uh, featured two characters who are pretty badass, doing pretty badass stuff. Awesome, awesome freaking art. I guess I'll just go into my full review here. I, I absolutely yeah, love go the first. art in this. Yeah, I love I love the art in this book. Uh, I think the art is just absolutely phenomenal. The story is decent. The story is fun, but the art to me is what really encapsulates this. Encapsulates me into this book. That's what really kept me in this thing the whole time. Just the absolutely beautiful imagery, whether it's uh, some of the violent stuff or or otherwise. But uh, you know, there it has this mature content label for a reason, and it, it is very mature content uh, in terms of the visuals in terms of the blood and the guts etc etc but um really just the art has to be really has to be seen to be believed the art is just amazing uh from dave wilkins here so uh i'm gonna give the art i'm gonna actually give the art a 4.5 i think the art is that damn good i think the art is freaking awesome here uh so i can i can complain very little about the art uh and then the writing i will say it's certainly above average like i said it, it was fun i had a good time um i don't know if i'll ever feel the desire to read this again unless i do another review podcast about it it's just one of those things where we had a good night we enjoyed it. We don't necessarily need to exchange numbers. You know what I mean? We don't need to make this a regular thing. Uh, so that's kind of how I view the, how I'm, I'm viewing this book. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to give the writing. I'm going to give a uh, heck. I'm going to give the writing. Mm, I'm going to give it a. Th- I'm going to give it a three point five. I was going to go three. Three feels a little low though. This is actually pretty entertaining for what it is. Um, some of the stuff was a little cheesy. Like I, I, I agree. Like I think that it was kind of dumb that they just kind of dove into all, nearly killing each other when clearly they go way back. I mean, at least have like one chat just to make sure you didn't have you weren't mistaken here on this whole Messiah thing for one second. But you know, it's comics and heroes got to fight before they can team up. That's what we learned from Stiltman and the Punisher. Uh, so you know that actually brings the score. I think you and I 
I took very different lessons from Stiltman and the Punisher. We may have. We may have. <laughs> that actually gives this a surprisingly high score of an eight. And I think it's really assisted by the fact that it's it's a one time eight. You know, it's it's a it's a boom, boom, in and out. And I, but like I said, it was an enjoyable read and I had fun doing it. And I think it's it's helped by the fact that this is not a miniseries. If this was a six issue miniseries based around this plot, I doubt I'd give that entire series an eight because it would probably be there would probably be a lot too much that was dragged out. Uh, it would probably I'd probably get bored with it at, at times. But you don't have time to get bored with this because it's just a one shot. And, uh, you know, bada bing, bada boom. We're done. So Slam, gonna, bam, thank this, you, ma'am. Exactly. I'm, I'm giving this a surprisingly, even to myself, high score of an eight. You know, I always find that I rank some of my stories lower than you rank my stories. I'm going to agree, but I'm going to give a different score. I think the uh, a, a different score. I think the artwork was fantastic. Uh, some of my favorite renditions of Wolverine and his Weapon X costume are here. I think is actually one of the best renditions of Blade. Sometimes Blade looks really old. Sometimes he just just kind of obscured by his sunglasses and other stuff. And I don't really think characters know how to age him. But I get a lot of Wesley Snipes vibe from this version of Blade. Blade, he's probably in like his it's, late twenties. Yeah, like it's literally Wesley Snipes. It's awesome. So I I think it's great. It really matches that horror vibe. It really kind of gets me into that, like heading into Halloween mood. I love it. I'm giving the artwork a four out of five story. The story is what I would consider a good weekend read. What I love about this is like what you mentioned. This did not need to be a limited series. This was good, confined in just 40 pages. If anything, I think it should have been called Marvel Team Up instead of Wolverine versus Blade. I think that was a way a way better way of doing it. But, you know, the, the story is straight to the point. It kind of follows a generic trend, but I think it's uh, it's the artwork that saves it as well as some of the inner monologues and how they kind of laid it out. Uh, I, I like non-linear storytelling. I, I like that. So I like them uh, throwing that in there. And uh, I mean, it's just I, I haven't picked up a lot of recent Marvel stuff that's come out in the past couple of years. So for something that came out in the fall of 2019 to be this good, just a classic like slasher action horror flick. I, I really enjoyed it. I'm going to give it a three for a total score of a seven out of ten. So this gives it a combined 15 out of 20, which I'll be honest, originally when I was going through it, going through my head, I thought I was going to give it lower. I thought you would give it something lower. I thought I thought we were going I for a, I thought we were going for a combined <laughs> score, maybe like, you know, a 12.5 or a 13. But 15 out of 20, especially if, you know, you're drinking your pumpkin spice latte and you're going to go yeah. ahead and watch Friday the 13th happy. later. I think this is something that you want to keep on your nightstand to pick up before you go to sleep. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was also surprised at how high a score I gave it because I didn't walk away loving it, but I couldn't find, I think because it's just a one shot, there wasn't a lot of room for flaws. So while the writing didn't blow me away, it wasn't that flawed either. It was just really well done. And yeah, so maybe that helps it. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm surprised that I gave it an eight, but I, I'm sticking to my guns because I'm going with my scores. And and I think at the end of the day, the art, like I said, it just really lifts this whole thing up from what what would have been just more of a very average story. Uh, maybe it would have more of an average overall score if it wasn't for the art. The art has really pulled this thing up. Because think about it, if the art was more average, if the art was, say, a two and a half or a three... This would be a six, six and a half, seven or so. But the art is just is so phenomenal here. I, I just I got to say that, I, you know, it would be a discredit to not allow how great the art is to properly raise the score of the book to the right place. So there it is. 
Absolutely. If you like Gabrielle Delato, if you like the folks that went ahead and did Punisher War Journal a few episodes back, this is very much in the vein of like what, what I would call like it's almost like CGI on paper. It's 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 pretty cool in that way. And besides, whenever you get to see Wolverine like cut someone's head off or something, you know you're gonna get something badass out of it. So indeed, indeed. uh to, to kind of wrap things up, I mean I this it's reading this story that reminds me it's like how cool is it going to be knowing that we get not only Blade coming back to the silver screen, but now he exists in a world of possibilities where we can literally see him cross over with Doctor Strange. Eventually we're gonna get an MC Wolverine. I think uh now is the time for Blade to really be embraced by the broader Marvel and you know broader comic book community as a genuine heavy hitting badass that he always has been. You know what I want them to do while we're doing this, while we're playing around with the multiverse, I mean, we've already seen it in the trailer, so it's no longer just a theory. It's a fact that the multiverse exists and they are opening it up to the to the idea that really any movie could be canon in some way, shape, or form. There's already rumors that we may see uh, uh, Patrick Stewart, Professor X, in Multiverse of Madness. Give me... Give me Wesley Snipes' blade. It doesn't need to be a, a, a even a drawn-out story. He doesn't even need to talk. Just show me a glimpse. Show me glimpses of the multiverse and show me Wesley Snipes' blade. Show me uh, Hugh Jackman's uh, Wolverine. David and Hasselhoff, Nick Fury. Show me David Hasselhoff, Nick Fury. Just show, show me and tell me in movie form these exist and these are canon, no matter how cheesy they might be in the, in the case of uh, Hasselhoff Fury or no matter, no matter how badass they might be. In the case of Wesley Snipes' Blade, they all exist. Don't just tell me, Marvel. Show me. And you're already doing it with, with Alfred Molina. So I will I will hope and pray that this continues because, I, frankly, I love it. Once once you've broken down the wall, the uh, not even the fourth wall, like the fifth wall, whatever my, whatever breaks down the multiversal wall, uh, the source wall, if you will, uh, I'm all for it. Because now that it's open, it's it can be as open as, it, as, as they want it to be. Because there's probably no actor they can't pay for, <laughs> and so and there's no movie they don't own. There's no co- character they don't own. So really, the gloves are as off as Kevin Feige wants to take them. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, come on, Marvel. Hashtag Wesley Snipe matters. <laughs> Wesley Snipes. Is it Snipe or Snipes? It's Snipes. Snipes lives matter. Snipes lives matter. Hashtag Snipes lives matter. Well... That, that about does it, Mark. You want to take us off? I do. And I actually want to do something a little different now. Um, I, I just decided this. I didn't discuss it with you before the air, before the air, before we went on air, probably because I just thought of it just now. But I think what I'd like to start doing is because we have uh, a lot of fans that really like to follow the show in in the sense that some fans will actually wait until they have a chance to go read the books that we're talking about or watch the movie that we're talking about so they don't get spoiled along the way and they can actually follow us as they go. So I want to start letting our fans know what we're going to be looking at next week so that you could actually read the books uh, ahead of time and actually just follow along with us live instead of saying, wait, wait, I don't want to hear, hear about this until I go back and read it. So if you are one of those nerdy fans, I'm here to let you and Remzo know that next week is going to be very different preparation-wise uh, than, than this week was. Uh, we only had one book to read for this one. We're going to have a little more uh, to read for this one. We're going to be looking at the first uh, s- chapter, the first arc from Neil Gaiman's Sandman. This is Preludes and Nocturnes. This is uh, a story that I really, once I got out of my, I just, I'm so into superheroes phase, and I started to look into some of the weirder stuff in comics. This 
it's like the, the crystal meth of comic books. Uh, that that's one way to put it. Uh, the the two things that really captured me were Alan Moore's Swamp Thing, which we already looked at in, in one episode, and we will certainly return to that. One of my favorite episodes, Absolutely. dare I say. Same. And uh, the other one, though, is Neil Gaiman's Sandman. This is one we've kind of put off a couple times because it is a little heavier reading, so to speak. Uh, Neil Gaiman, like I said, much like Alan Moore, he's a writer who happens to write in comic book form, but he is a writer. And there are a lot of words. (laughs) Uh, But this is a really imaginative uh, series that I've already already started diving back into. So I am really excited to tackle it. Uh, It's been it's been about it's been long enough of of a wait. I've been I've been had this one on the schedule for, I think, since we basically started the podcast sometimes i push it back i'm like ah, i'm just not in the mood to get all the way into it but the mood is here my friend so uh guess what we're gonna take you into dream world we're gonna take you into dreamland and i think it's pretty appropriate because i believe there is a sandman tv series coming out uh in the not too distant future on so, netflix of all places yeah so this will be your primer for that so if you want to get ahead and uh, of course you can go purchase the physical graphic novel at a local store we always uh, encourage people to visit their local comic shops but if you just want to check this sucker out and just want to prep it is available uh there are actually two different versions of the graphic novel on hoopla digital so hoopla again we don't get a commission i don't even know if hoopla gets a commission because they don't charge any money hoopla is the greatest thing that's ever happened to comic fans or probably fans of movies or books but as long as you have a library card and i can tell you i did not even go to a physical library to get the library card i went on the internet and like put in my address or something and got my digital library card from los angeles and used that to create my hoopla account so you can do all of this while sitting right on your computer just do it. You'll be so happy. There are so many comics on Hoopla. It's 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 freaking insane. It's a treasure trove, and it doesn't cost you any more than whatever amount of time it takes you to, to get a library card. So just do it, people. And if you do do that, you can follow along. You can read this comic on, on a Hoopla Digital. So Sandman Preludes and Nocturnes, that's what's coming next week. I am so happy to do this. I listened to the uh, Sandman audiobook, which is like a audio drama. It had like James McAvoy. Um, uh, T- Thomas Egerton or wh- whatever the kid from Kingsman is, he's freaking fantastic. I loved him as a uh, as a uh, as Rocket Man. What, what's that guy's name? Uh fuck. He's he, he's he's a, he's a, he's, a, he's a, who's who's the guy who sang Rocket Man? I'm a Rocket Elton Man. John. Elton John. He was Elton John. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That I kid. Talking about the movie Rocket Man for a second. He was. That, that, <laughs> that's what. That's what the movie's about. Like uh, Jamie Egerton, whatever his name is. That that actor's freaking fantastic. But it has a whole cast of people who do the audio Isn't book. There also a superhero called Rocket Man, or am I making that up? There was the Rocketeer. The Rocket. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah. No, there also is a, a hero called Rocket Man from the, from some old comics. Put put two words together, and there's a hero for it. But, uh, put, put any <laughs> word and man, and yeah, that exists. There you go. Uh, arm fall off, boy. Or as we saw in the Suicide Squad, the detachable kid, because that's a thing now. But anyway, folks, all this and more. If you want more from Mark and I, go ahead and support the show, grow this community, and get some fun shit in between. Exclusive shows, graphic novels, and so much more at uh, patreon.com slash secondprintpod. That's patreon.com slash secondprintpod. As always, I'm Remsa W. Martinez. And I'm the Marvelous. Read comics. Change the world. Change the world. Good night, America. Adios, friends.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.